Hi, you're listening to Novel Ideas on WRBH, a weekly discussion of all things literary. I'm your host, Candace Huber, and today we have author Matthew Griffin, who is the author of a book called Hyde, and we'll be talking with him today about Hyde and what he's working on now. So welcome, Matthew. I'm excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Of course. And just to let you guys all know who Matthew is, um, he is a graduate of Wake Forest University and the Iowa Writers Workshop, and he's taught writing at the University of Iowa and at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, and he worked for several years as assistant to the director of Highlander Research and Education Center, which is a renowned hub of grassroots organizing for social justice throughout the South and Appalachia, which is really cool, by the way. I think that's awesome. (laughs) You did that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's a a wonderful place. Everyone should check it out. Awesome. And his first novel, Hyde, which is the book that we're going to talk about today, uh, was actually the winner of the 2017 Crook's Corner Book Prize, which is a tongue twister, and try saying that three times fast. (laughs) Uh, It was also a Stonewall Honor Book and long-listed for the Penn Bingham Prize for Debut Fiction. And his writing has appeared in The Guardian, Granta, Electric Literature, and elsewhere, He was born and raised in North Carolina, and now he lives with his husband and too many pets, which I can really relate to, in New Orleans, uh, where he teaches at Tulane. So welcome, Matthew. I'm very excited to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to to talk to you. And uh, how many pets do you have, just off of a random question, since you say too many pets? How many is too many? Well, we have two dogs and one cat, which doesn't really seem like, you know, an egregiously large number. Right. But, you know, what, once vet bills come up, then it seems like it's too many. <laughs> I totally understand. I have four cats and two dogs. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I, whenever someone says too many pets, I'm like, what do you consider too many pets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely got to speak. I have a zoo for sure. Um, so tell us about this book, Hyde, and how it came about. Just a little bit about what the book is about and how you, the genesis of the book. Yeah, so Hyde is basically a love story um, that sort of, it takes place in two different narrative timelines. One of them starts in 1946 when the two main characters, Wendell Wilson, who is the narrator and also a taxidermist, and Frank Clifton, who is a World War II veteran, meet and fall in love after Frank comes home from the war at a time when the two two men falling in love held much more danger than it does now. Um, And so one storyline sort of follows the two of them through most of their lives together. Um, They essentially give up everything and everyone else in their lives in order to live together in almost utter seclusion for their own safety. And then the other narrative storyline then picks up at the end of their life together when Frank suffers from a stroke and then consequently starts to suffer from dementia. And so it looks at the two of them struggling to to ultimately face what will be the end of their life together. And so the, you know, the genesis of the book is actually in a lot of ways is rooted in a very different novel that I worked on for about five years when I was in graduate school at the Iowa Writers Workshop and then for a few years afterwards. And it was this like big book with multiple narrators and like crazy plot lines coming together. And I worked on that for five years. And then I realized after really toiling on it that it was just never going to work and that it was fundamentally a failure as a book and that there was nothing I could do to fix it. And so after I 
sort of wandered through the house like a ghost for a few days. I went back through that book to see if there were if there were any little bits that could be salvaged or used in some way. And the things that stuck out to me and the, and the pieces of that book that felt alive, and, and it was really just sort of a handful of sentences and images and things like that, were all things about this older couple that had ultimately been inspired by my grandparents. I watched mm-hmm. my grandparents sort of struggle to take care of each other at the end of their lives, and, and my grandfather suffered from dementia, and my grandmother's really often getting angry that my grandfathers weren't the men they had once been. And so from there, sort of those little bits started re- really making me think about my grandparents and what it takes to sustain a relationship over 50 years, and then consequently just the the awful tragedy of then, after all that work and sacrifice, inevitably losing that person one way or another. And so then from there, I sort of started to think about myself as a gay person and what it might have been like to try to do the same thing and sustain the same kind of relationship that my grandparents had. Yeah, that is an incredible story, actually. And so I, my grandparents as well, so uh, uh, people may or may not know that my bookstore is actually named after my grandparents. They were born across the street from each other and grew up together and were married for 61 years. Well, we buried my grandma on their 61st wedding anniversary. So this is really interesting to me that you use your grandparents as inspiration. I did too in a different way. Um, And what's also was interesting to me is that so you said that you ultimately found this first book a failure, but was it really because this amazing book that has gotten so much, you know, a great attention came out of it. So are you one of these people that really thinks that, or do you think that like any writing is never a failure because something can always come of it? What do you, what do you think of that? Or can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, tend to to think much more along the lines of, of the, the second option there, which is that I think even though, right, maybe like that book as, its own piece of art um, was a failure, but I think the right the writing of that book and the process of that book was definitely not a failure because I think that the the time I spent working on it is really what led me into writing Hyde, and I don't think I could honestly I, I really don't think I could have written Hyde if I hadn't spent all that time on that other book. I think there's a way that. And, and part of this just also has to do with, I think, my habits, which is that I like working all the time and I like writing all the time. Mm-hmm. And and part of that means that, you know, like you're, the, the work that you produce isn't necessarily always going to be great because you have off days. But I think the benefit of it is that it allows you to sort of, right, like till the soil of your imagination, um, right, and like turn things over and let things lie dormant. And and I think sort of the the long process of writing that first book was was what allowed me to do that and to think about all those things, right, and some of the issues that come up and hide in ways that I didn't even realize yet. And it also too was just I think a, a good training ground for making a lot of mistakes and learning what I don't want to do in the future and things like that. Of course, and and I think they tell you in pretty much any writing class, writing workshop, panel, anything that you go to, you'll probably hear that shitty first drafts and that writing a lot of crap words before you get to the good ones is a thing. So yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. this is a good funny, example like, of that. Even now, I'm. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just said I think this is a good example of that. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I struggle with that even now as I'm trying to start working on a second book. It's because I think you – because I, especially I spent so much time working on Hyde and refining it that it's easy to remember the finished product and not remember that the first draft of this was twice as long and full of stuff that never made it into the final book. Right. Um, right. You, even sort of as you go along, I think it, I always have to remind myself to, to let myself write badly and that the good stuff will come with time. Yes, I think it definitely does and did in this situation for sure. And Thank you. um <laughs> you're welcome. And so yeah, let's talk a little bit more about your grandparents too because I think that it's really interesting that you were inspired by them and you know, it's also tragic in a lot of ways that, you know, the things you were saying and about how you work at this relationship for so long and it takes so much work and ultimately you're going to lose someone's going to lose someone in that situation. And so it's beautiful and tragic all at the same time. And I think those themes really come through and hide. So uh, I would like to just hear a little bit more about your grandparents. Yeah. So my, um, I was really close to both sets of my grandparents. My mom's parents actually lived across the street from me when I was growing up. And so I saw them all the time and then my dad's parents lived about 45 minutes away. So we would go and see them every other Sunday. Um, and so, you know, I think, and, and so I, I was really close to, to all of them. My grandfather, my mom's dad, had also been the principal of our high school. Oh, wow. Um, and so I would, when I was in high school, like I would walk down the hall of the main building and his oil painting was hanging um, in the hallway, <laughs> which is really neat. Um, and I mean, I think he was, he was a pretty beloved character. Um and I think there, were, there was a commonality between both sets of my grandparents, um, where I think my 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 grandfathers were both a little bit more like gregarious and outgoing, um, and 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 talkative and social. And my grandmothers, I think, were just both a little bit more particular people, and they wanted things done in a certain way, which meant they were probably going to have to do it themselves. Um, and so in, in a lot of ways, the characters in the book, Wendell, who's the taxidermist, is sort of a combination of my grandmother's. And so I was pulling on a lot of those qualities. Um, my grandmothers were both really wonderful cooks, and so I was thinking about that, too. And then Frank, who is the character who suffers from dementia, um, is it, sort of pulling on both of my grandfathers, both in their sort of, right, their, their jovialness and their humor, and also the fact that both of them, particularly my dad's dad, did suffer from dementia in the later years of their lives. Mm, and and my grandparents also grew up, well, around the corner, not quite across the street. Uh, I grew up around the corner from them, so saw them all the time, my mom's parents. And uh, they were Tubby and Koo, who I named the bookstore after. And yeah, uh, wonderful. Yeah, so I just think this whole idea, I'm fascinated by grandparents, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people who also draw inspiration from them, uh, because I guess I feel a bit of a kinship with other folks who draw inspiration from cool grandparents, so... Yeah. 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 I mean, that also just reminds me that, I mean, one of the things that happened that was also really instrumental in writing this book was that after my grandparents died, and of course I was really close to all of them, but after they died, we would do, we were going through their things and we found the love letters that my grandparents had written to each other when my, um, when my grandfather was still stationed at a, at a Marine base at the end of World War II. Wow, yeah. and, then, and then all these pictures of them as young people who were just clearly madly in love. And I think like that was also really crucial to, to this book project was like, 
having this one conception of like an old couple and then suddenly who who I thought I knew really well and then suddenly realizing like oh these were completely different people who had this whole life that I never saw right right and that and that's fascinating too to think about that because I think that's how a lot of people view older people whether it's family members or friends or anyone that you know you know them as people now but I people don't normally think about the whole history and how you really didn't know a lot of the things that have happened with them so I think that's really interesting as well yeah. So what books do you have on your nightstand? Like how many books do you read at once? What kind of books do you like to read? So I have a very, uh, like, not short attention span, but I can only focus on one thing at a time. So mm-hmm. I pretty much only read one book at a time. The only exception will be is I can do... I can read like one book of fiction and then also read some nonfiction at the same time, mm-hmm. but I can't read two books of fiction or I start to get confused about what's happening where. Yes. Um, and, and so I actually just yesterday finished a book called Mama Day by Gloria Naylor, who died just a couple of years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, another thing I try to do is I try to alternate between reading classic literature and then reading more contemporary lit- literature. And so I'm actually today pondering what <laughs> book to read now since I just finished that one yesterday. I My favorite book in the world is Moby Dick, and I tend to read it every, like, five years or so, uh-huh. and I'm starting to uh, to feel like it's time to reread that. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about um, returning to Moby Dick. I also have some, some more contemporary books for different panels and uh and literary festivals that I'm going to be moderating. And so I've got some of those uh, in the, in the tech on the night stand too, that I'll probably we're uh, I'm hang off to the beach soon. So I think awesome. I might tote some of those with Take me. Some beach reading. And so yeah. we have about a minute left. So what do you have coming up? Are you going to be appearing anywhere? Um, where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm going to in actually this, Saturday, I'm going to be at the North Carolina Writers Association Conference. And then in August, I'm doing a reading at UNC Wilmington. And then in September at Eastern Carolina University. So I'll be sort of making my way through North Carolina in the next couple of months. Awesome. And where can people find you online if they want to follow you? Uh, My website is MatthewGriffinWriter.com. And then I'm also on Twitter at MattyGriff. Got it. So at Maddie Griff on Twitter, MatthewGriffinWriter.com. Thank you very much for joining us today and telling us your story. Thank you. It's been great to be here. I really enjoyed it. Of course. And you've been listening to Novel Ideas on WRBH. I'm your host, Candace Huber. Join us next time.